You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome in, folks, here on Big Blue Views audio lineup and YouTube channel. I am Joe DeLeo, joined by Nick Filato and Chris Flum. And today, we are going to be previewing the New York Giants' next matchup against the New Orleans Saints. Giants currently sitting at 0-3, which is obviously a point that we've dis discussed in full length, that those first three games were probably the best opportunities for the Giants to either start 2-1 and one or at least to notch a single win. And now comes the difficult stretch in the schedule. A Saints team that looked fantastic in week one against a Packers team that stumbled out of the gate but is still as talented as they always are. And then they looked really, really bad against the Carolina Panthers. And then they followed it up with a really good game against the New England Patriots. So we're not 100% sure which version of the Saints we're going to get. We also don't know which version of Jameis we're going to get. We'll get to that in a second. But I, I want to open today's show by, by just getting this out there. This is not going to be an easy game based on the way that they've looked over the last three. No. 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 <laughs> the the one Giants don't do easy games. <laughs> no. Easy games are not in the Giants. Uh, it's not their ability right now. Even games they should win, they don't make it easy when they do actually win said football games. But I want to say one thing about that Carolina matchup in week two. The Saints didn't have like, I think, eight or nine of their coaches on offense, too. That's a big deal. People mm -hmm. kind of overlook it. They're like, oh, yeah, next man up. It's like, no, bro. If you don't have a position coach, like that's that's a huge deal. And you were missing like eight of them. So that's one caveat to that entire situation. Yeah. And also, Carolina is pretty good. They are. Yeah. Right, and I, I think that I'm glad you brought that up, Nick, because I, I think everybody after that game where they they just looked really sloppy and Jameis threw multiple interceptions. That that's some of that's obviously on Jameis's decision making and and the way that he plays uh, the quarterback position, and he looked like he regressed. A lot of people didn't know that about the coaching staff and the fact that they were missing a lot of coaches going against a good Panthers team, a really strong Panthers team. It was a really difficult matchup for them, and I, I bet the next time they play, it is it is going to be completely different. But as we've done, we've broken this up in between offense and defense. And uh, I, you know, I alluded to Jameis Winston being, um, you know, you know, being a, a a key factor in this because we we saw like a resurging Jameis. You know, a, a balance back guy who who didn't play much last year and basically sat most of the year as a backup. And he started the season strong, not good in week two, looks better in week three. Do we expect that we're going to get good Jameis in this game? And is it something that the Giants should be worried about? 
I personally expect Sean Payton to do Sean Payton-like things and adjust his offensive game plan to the personnel that he has. So I don't think he's going to put a lot on Jameis's plate against this Giants secondary that's somewhat let down through three games but still has a lot of talent. I think you're going to see a lot of involvement with Alvin Kamara, a lot of running the football. You're going to see Taysom Hill in there as the H-back, the tight end. They're going to bring him in in goal line packages. So I don't think – I don't think Sean Payton's going to put too much on Jameis's plate to where he can make mistakes, but he can still make mistakes because he is Jameis Winston and the secondary <laughs> is still talented. Yeah, I I fully expect Sean Payton to do Sean Payton things. He is one of the best offensive minds in football at any level and has been for a long time now. Uh, as far as good Jameis versus bad Jameis, I think we have to expect good Jameis. It, Number one, you'd never want to go in expecting an opponent to be bad. You you always want to expect their best, prepare for their best. So if they're bad, well, then that's just gravy. But also, I think the Jameis-Bruce Arians pairing in Tampa Bay was kind of a, a really, ex, really negative feedback loop where they just reinforced each other's bad tendencies now, in Tampa Bay, you've got Tom Brady, who is one of the most efficient quarterbacks of all time, super accurate, super smart. And he and Arians seem to temper each other. I think we've got kind of the opposite or uh, opposite, but in the other direction effect going on in New Orleans, where you've got Jameis, who is always ready to make a YOLO throw. But then you've got Sean Payton, who is really great at scheming up super safe offenses and getting the ball to playmakers in position to attack the defense where it's weakest. And I think having Jameis in that kind of a situation, that really does a good job of reining in his more, um, we'll say self-destructive tendencies. I think that's a good way to put it, too, self-destructive. And you're right, he is YOLO. And the thing about Bruce Arians' system, like every quarterback that I feel like Bruce Arians ends up receiving, he is a quarterback whisperer, but initially those quarterbacks tend to struggle a little bit with his offense. We even saw it with Tom Brady last year, even though COVID, that was a really kind of unique season. But if you go back to Carson Palmer in Arizona, we saw that. It wasn't as great of a season, but once that second year came around, Carson Palmer really started clicking. James Winston didn't get that opportunity, but, man, 30 for 30 club is hard to get into, and he was uh, able to do that back in – was that 2019 yeah. so that, that takes some skill honestly <laughs> it, it it does it does i mean Jameis was a fantasy uh fantasy guy though man he was putting up some mad points and throwing the ball around but man was he mistake prone i don't expect a necessarily mistake prone type of Jameis in this game because sean payton and because that offensive line is pretty good despite the fact that they're not going to have teron armstead they still don't have eric mccoy who's been out and those are arguably their Actually, it's hard to say, man, because that offensive line is just sick when you really think about it. Now, they have Throckmorton starting at guard, and he's, I think, a second-year player. He went to Oregon. He was undrafted. He's a little bit big, big oversized type of guy in terms of height. He's not really overly flexible. I think Leonard Williams can kind of give him problems along the offensive line, but you still have Ryan Ramchek, which I think we should probably start to talk about here, boys. (laughs) (laughs) Now, why would you ever want to do that? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I don't want to open up these old wounds, uh, Joe and Chris, but 
I mean, Ryan Ramchek has been an absolute stud since he came into the league, and I get it. He had some hip issues back at the University of Wisconsin. Jerry Reese seemed like he was a little bit more of a conservative type of general manager back then, but he ends up going with Evan Ingram, trying to split the uh, cover two type safeties, middle of the field, open defenses, and if we still yet to see that, and Evan Ingram, as much as you know, I love the fact that he's a good person and that he really tries and puts 100% of the effort, he's been in a colossal letdown as a first-round pick, and in some senses, a net negative, which I hate to say, but he does kind of cost the Giants in a lot of situations. I don't think ultimately he is a net negative because I do believe there's a lot of value there that the Giants have not untapped yet. But when you have him running stick and curl all the time, that is not Evan Ingram's game and he's susceptible to making mistakes. And he also just fumbles the football. Like that's just getting maddening as well. Yeah. Just to go back to that draft with uh, Ramchek versus Ingram, I would percent on team ram check like i try not to come down either way on injury issues just because you know i don't have the medical reports so i don't know what the prognosis is don't know what the future concerns are but as a player just on the field he had the mobility you look for he had the leverage technique just ridiculous grip strength ridiculous core strength like he would have solved a lot of problems for the giants I understand going with Ingram because it was ridiculous the way just two man completely shut down Ben McAdoo's offense, Mm -hmm. especially with the players on that team that they already had. But if you're looking for somebody to basically rip two man out of the opposing defense's playbook, a guy like Evan Ingram is the weapon you want. And I also understand wanting to trust your coaches to develop the young offensive lineman you already have. You know, they had Bobby Hart, which, yeah, we know. That did not pan out. (laughs) Not at all. But, you know, I do understand the having faith in the guys you hired. Now, that turned out to be misplaced faith, but, yeah, that's kind of all part of how the Giants got to be where they're at now. Right, and and I think that just kind of steering our shift back towards how this pans out for preparing for this the Saints team. You know, you're talking about some of these injuries that the Saints are dealing with on their offensive line, but they're still a really well coached team. They have good depth, depth that I mean, we're talking about being jealous of the the Saints here because they got Ramchick, and it's it does open up some old wounds. But also on top of that, it, Giants got to be jealous of the the depth that they have along their offensive line. That they, they don't really take too much of a step back when they have to swap some guys in and out. So this the, this Saints offense, I, I think any other matchup with Jameis Winston, the Giants have been able to get the best of him. They've been able to you know lead to to poor decision making because he's that type of guy. He throws interceptions. He fumbles. I think back to the the first game that Daniel Jones won when he played the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And we didn't really have a great performance from Jameis. But, you know, here we are now with the Saints. He's protected a lot better. He is not really put into situations where he can make stupid decisions because the offensive line is good. And then he also just so happens to have one of the best running backs in the NFL to not only throw to, but also hand the ball off to in Alvin Kamara. So, uh, you know, I think that that's what the, the key factor is here for the Saints offense is that it's not really reliant on one guy. It's a well-shaped group that has some talented players to work around James Winston. Yes, and I want to say James Winston has like 27 completions or something like that through the two wins. 
So like he threw five touchdowns on 20 passing attempts in week one. Like that's <laughs> insanely. <laughs> that's crazy. And he just taking advantage of green Bay secondary. And uh, was it Joe Barry is the, or Barry is the offensive or defensive coordinator over there. Not doing too hot, but I don't know, man. I, I think we're going to see a lot of Alvin Kamara. And again, another thing that's just nuts. I don't believe there's been fans in the building at, in, in the Superdome since Kyle Rudolph caught that touchdown pass in overtime in the wild card game. So hopefully Kyle Rudolph can rekindle that magic or something <laughs> like that. But I, I'm not necessarily hopeful because Kyle Rudolph has so much of the negative Jason Witten vibe right now. Like he, he cannot run routes at a, at a NFL level at this point from the sense that he's just zapped athletically. At least that's what I see. Yeah. Like I father time seems to have gotten to him and I, don't think missing as much time as he did with the foot surgery, the recovery from that has helped matters any at all. Sucks, man. I know that that's yeah. unfortunate too. And I think the, we can't underestimate how much of a factor getting back into that dome is going to be for, on this game. Yeah. You know, Hurricane Ida was, it just, that was a monstrous storm. And just to have, Everything that that crowd has gone through over the last month to finally get back, have a team that they can be excited about. Yeah, it's going to get loud. And with the Giants offensive line being shaken Mm -hmm. up again right now, it looks like Matt Skura might Mm -hmm. be starting at some position. Uh, Could be guard, could be center. I don't know. They might move. Billy Price over to garden start Skura at center. You know, we, we don't know. And when you're on your fourth offensive line combination in four games, and all of a sudden you have however many tens of thousands of people, the Superdome holds just going crazy. Mistakes will happen. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check planning for what's next and how to save for it. That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And, and I think that's a, you know, a good time to transition our focus here to talking about, because you mentioned the offensive line. There's a lot of shuffling going on right now. We're also not really sure if there's going to be availability for Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton. An offense that's already just, it's terrible. It's, uh, I'm not going to beat around the bush. I'm not going to say it's struggling. It's just not good right now. They're not putting up points. They're not scoring. They're not finishing drives. They're not running the football. So it seems like with all of the problems that have that have mounted, they're at their peak of how bad it could possibly be, meaning they don't have the receivers that they need potentially, and they're also missing offensive linemen in key spots. Going up against a, a very 
aggressive defensive front that has a, a lot of really, really good players. I mean, like Cam Jordan alone is is a very, very dominant player and is going to probably be a major factor in this game. But the entire defensive front that they have has always been successful in the time that uh, you know Sean Payton has been coaching this team. Yeah, Cam Jordan already has 15 pressures on the season, and he has yet to record a sack according to pro football focus. So uh, at home in the Superdome against this Giants offensive line, you can align Cam Jordan really wherever you want. He's more of a defensive end, but you can kick him inside if you really want to because he has that kind of power type of element to him. I'm sure the – uh, I'm sure Dennis Allen is going to do something to manipulate Ben Bredesen if he ends up playing because he's dealing with that hand injury. And Billy Price, I mean, I'm, I'm scared for Daniel Jones in this matchup. That defense, man, <laughs> they have so much experience from top to bottom. They have like those veteran guys like Demario Davis at middle linebacker, Malcolm Jenkins at safety. You have the young athletic cornerback and Marshawn Lattimore. You have that defensive line that just consists of just incredibly long and athletic players, like even players like Tano Passanio, who is a – who was somebody who was drafted in the second round with a little bit of a reach coming out of, I think um, it was Villanova. And he, he won the Super Bowl yeah. with the Chiefs and everything like that. That's all well and good. But now you put him on this line playing with Cam Jordan and all these other defensive pieces. And they don't even have David Onyemata, who's one of the better run defending defensive linemen in the league. He's not playing because he's suspended right now, but yet still they're stopping the run. I think they rank like second or third in run defense right now. They're allowing like 60 yards rushing per game. And they just shut down Damian Harris on a team that wants to run the football on the road. So whew, this could be, this could be a, a dangerous one. Yeah. I, I was looking over the saints defensive front and it's actually really interesting to me how they built it. Like they obviously have a type of defensive lineman that they are looking for because all of those guys, their DNs are basically six foot five and 280 pounds. Yeah. On average, some are a little bit longer, some are a little bit heavier, but whatever. And then their defensive tackles. The only difference is that they're a little bit stouter. They're like six, two ish between 6'1 and 6'3 and right around 300 to 305 pounds. So that gives them a ton of versatility. They can line these guys up any which way they want. They could run tight front. They could run a wide nine and everything in between and be successful with it. And then you talk about that secondary and, you know, it, it's just stacked. Oh, when your gadget guys or the guys that you're rotating onto the field in sub packages or Bradley Roby and Chauncey Gardner Johnson, yeah, that is a deep secondary and they are really, really good at press man coverage. Like I, I was impressed with a lot of the press man reps I saw from them. Even the rookie Paulson Adebo, who he got, he got into some penalty trouble in week one, but it seems like he's starting to clean up his issues with being grabby. And if you can run press man coverage, you know, if you can run cover one, no problem, that makes blitzing pretty fun for your defense. And their blitzes are really effective. They drop passer rating by something like 40 or 50 points when they blitz. Wow. Uh, if they're sending pressure packages, your offense isn't doing anything. That's, basically all there is to it expect right that's to, expect it because they're going to blitz daniel jones mm. oh 100 percent, and that's what's i think a key factor in what's made this team so so dangerous you talk about how you have outside corners that can play man 
pretty effectively. You've got two long guys in Marshawn Lattimore and in Paulson Adebo. If they can man guys up, that allows for guys to, to you know to run free and to get creative like you're talking about, Chris. And that's why they've been so effective. And I 100% like what you were about to just get into, Nick, is that they're they're probably going to send a ton of pressure at Daniel Jones in a game like this. If they can't generate a rushing offense and if they can't properly you know have a cohesive protection plan in place for the offensive line that's out there, they're going to continually send blitzes until Daniel Jones surrenders. That's exactly <laughs> what's going to happen, man. It's 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 going to suck, I think. And, Char- and Charles Gardner-Johnson, too, he's he's a good player, and they like to align him in the slot at times, play him at safety. I mean, he's versatile, but he's also a big chirper. So I can see him, like, kind of talking a lot and trying to bait the Giants into some, uh, some you know, unfortunate penalties. And this team that, you know, prides itself on being disciplined hasn't been disciplined for three weeks, and there's a lot of frustration with this offense right now. We saw that this week earlier when Kenny Galladay is like, I have no comments, and it's good that he didn't throw anybody under the bus. He's doing the right thing, but you can tell that he's insanely frustrated at the fact that this offense can't generate explosive plays and that he's running about nine-yard stick routes on like 25 to 50% of his routes. Yeah, it seems like the frustrations have been building on the Giants' sidelines for – really almost since week one, but really it started to be visible like in week two and it, it, it just has to be building. And I think if this game goes out of control early, could start to see things snowball and not in a good way. Yeah. If I'm pointing to areas where maybe the giants can attack, maybe some little glimmer of hope, it would have to be the Saints linebacker position. Like Demario Davis is a great veteran. He is all over the field for them. He is still a playmaker, even at 32. But they do miss Quan Alexander. You know, he's currently hurt. Uh Marcus Davenport, defensive end. We talked about their front already, but Davenport is on the injured reserve. It looks like they're probably going to be starting rookie Pete Werner. So that might be a guy the Giants can try to attack. Yeah, maybe with Evan Ingram, maybe try to get that matchup with Kenny Galladay out of the slot. They used that some after Shepard went down. Uh, maybe, maybe use Saquon on a wheel route or an angle route. Maybe. I know. I, I th- This is some crazy high school football stuff going on here, but you know, the, they, they might get desperate. They might. They might. And they're, they're probably going to have to. And you're right, the linebacker position. But I say that, and then I look at Demario Davis, who is like 32, pushing 33, and he's still just an insane, insanely effective, yeah. insanely effective player. And he's, he's a scary one, too. And they also have guys like Zach Bond on their defense who haven't lived up to their draft stock or what they did at Wisconsin quite yet. If Carl Granderson who's coming into his own now that he's a third year player, I think they selected him in like the third round out of Wyoming a couple of years ago. And he's another speed type of rusher that can give Nate Solder some problem if he aligns on that side. But I think Nate Solder might see a little bit more of Cameron Jordan, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, Matt is not a matchup I'm looking forward to. I expect the Giants to chip, keep Kyle Rudolph in the game, and Caden Smith in the game to kind of help more six man protection packages more seven man protection packages because i don't want this giants team and they're gonna have to sometimes but you don't want the giants team to be in five man protection packages against this front in this environment especially if you're running the route concepts that jason garrett loves to run (laughs) no 
this is not a great matchup for a team that really needs a win. We need to see more crossing routes, guys, too. I'm, I'm sorry, right. but you, you, we need to see more things breaking over the middle of the field if they're going to come out there and attempt to run a lot of man coverage. You need to yeah. see more mesh. You need to see more of those I, types of routes. I was just going to say, grab the the Mike Leach playbook, just mesh concept every single mesh. Route, every single snap. I, I don't well, care you're, what you're doing, mesh concept. You almost wonder in a circumstance like this, and we, we talked about how the matchup is just not good for where the Giants are circumstantially. You almost wonder in this situation where pretty much Jason Garrett's coaching for his job over the next few weeks. If, if we see what we saw in the first three weeks, he's probably not going to be around much longer just based on somebody has to be the scapegoat and he's going to be the easiest guy to point to. But you almost wonder if, if, if uh, you know the Saints look past the Giants a little bit and they're not as invested as they probably should be, which probably won't happen as they're returning to play in the Dome like we talked about. But is there a possibility that maybe this is just a chance for the Giants to catch a team off guard because they're so desperate at this point? It's the NFL. There's always a possibility. I just uh, I just don't have a great feeling about the matchup, which is weird because I was positive going into Washington, thought they'd win that football game, and they should have. And I was positive about the team hosting Atlanta, and they should have won that game too, to be honest, after watching all the film. But the team defeats themselves, and you can get away with possibly beating other bad football teams by doing that, but the Saints are a good football team. If they're going to win this game, they have to pressure Jameis Winston. They have to bait Jameis Winston into mistakes and make this like a ugly, you know, 17-14 type game, like a game <laughs> they just played against, only that was against a team significantly worse than the New Orleans Saints and the Falcons. And, and it was with a quarterback who couldn't push the ball vertically. Everything was a check down. Everything was to Mike Davis, Cordero, Patterson. They couldn't get Kyle Pitts going because the Giants removed Kyle Pitts, essentially. And they couldn't really get Calvin Ridley going vertically because Matt Ryan doesn't necessarily have that arm right now. And they still lost the football game, despite the fact that they held the team to 17 points, which is a win for the defense. But when your offense can't do anything, and I get it, they lost Darius Slate and they lost Sterling Shepard, but they couldn't be resilient enough to overcome that. And they kept shooting themselves in the foot every time they got into scoring position with dumb penalties and dumb mistakes, a high snap, a false start, a holding penalty. And then you have to settle for three instead of getting six or seven. So, I mean, th those are the big issues with the Giants right now. It's just really terrible mistakes by one specific player on both sides of the field. Last week, it was Ben Bredesen sometimes, Billy Price. On defense, it's Jabril Peppers not being in position, taking a terrible angle to make a tackle. Logan Ryan made a lot of mistakes as well. Those need to be cleaned up. Those players are too good to be making those mistakes on the defensive side of the ball. On the offensive side of the ball, it's kind of another story. Yeah, but I, th I think if the Giants have a path to winning, that's it. Basically, make Jameis Winston beat himself. Uh, do uh, Give Daniel Jones as many short fields as they can. Uh, hope to get maybe the RPO read option game going. Hope Jones doesn't get killed by Demario Davis out there or you know any one of these uh, guys in the secondary who just love to fly downhill and lay hits. And like you said, 17-14 and hope it isn't uh, former giant Aldrick Rosas who sticks the dagger for the late field goal. Didn't Rosas miss like a 38-yard like a field or like a 35-yarder last week? He did. Sounds about right. <laughs> Talk about a decline. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, well, folks, I, I think that's a good note to wrap us up on as this is uh, desperation time for the New York Giants. I think 
every fan is is on the same page here where something needs to change hopefully this could be a chance for some added life to this team and instead not a yet another reason for why big changes need to be made uh folks be sure to hit the subscribe button stay up to date and also head to bigblueview.com to stay uh you know caught up with all giants news and analysis we'll talk to you later folks enjoy the rest of your week